chapter. So Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going we're gonna to start here, but talking about walking by faith. You know, over the last couple of weeks, uh, I was talking about um, this topic uh, within this, the message, and so we're really just following up on this, but, but we saw the life, or we, we explored the life of Abraham, and, and uh, we saw that example uh, in, over the last couple of weeks. And we're going to look today at, at Moses' life. Uh, we mentioned him, but we're going to look at him. But here in Hebrews chapter 10, he's uh, about to give us the definition of what faith is in chapter 11. But he's encouraging them, or really challenging them in verse 35. He says, so don't throw away your confidence. Trust in the Lord. Uh, we need to, we need to just, just taking that phrase out of there, that, that first part of that verse, there's more there, but we'll want to just pause because there's times when I read the scripture and I, it, it needs to, we need to stop and take that in. We need to make sure that that resonates with us because he says, don't throw away your confidence, trust in the Lord. Uh, there is a, a value in that. And there's a confidence that comes when we make known who our God is. We begin to connect with Him and understand who He is. And we're going we're to look at this today. But there's a faith that comes. There's a confidence that comes. Remember the, remember the great reward that it brings, the rest of verse 35 says. And in verse 36 says, Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you'll receive all that he has promised you. But now notice he says, Patient endurance is what you need now. We've got to understand that, that it's going to take patience and it's going to take endurance. And those two things are pretty, pretty uh, interchangeable or they're both needed. We kind of think about that as being two different things, two different because of those two different English words. We could separate patience and we could separate endurance. But in the Greek, when he when it's uh, explaining what the meaning of that was in the original text, it takes those two words because we got to understand that we need we need both patience and endurance uh, because there's a there's a waiting sometimes. There's a delay in things showing up. But when it's settled for us in faith, in other words, we know it, we don't have to see results before we believe. Some of those songs, the, the different songs, you know, the, the, the first video song talked about, you know, I see the problem, God, but you see the solution. I see the mountains, you see the mountain being moved. And, and faith gives us the capacity to see things as God sees them. A couple of those courses, I hadn't heard that, that second one, I hadn't heard that in. I don't even remember. That's, a, that's an old one that I hadn't heard in a long time. But it all came back because uh, we'd, we'd heard that or, or sang that so much as a kid growing up in the churches, that are, uh, places where I was at. But verse 30, 37 says, For in just a little while the coming one will come and not delay. Verse 38, And my righteous ones will live by faith. The, the righteous or the just, the King James says, the just shall live by faith. So it's a way of life. And, and I love that because I, I, I circle that because I'm gonna, I want us to have that life of faith, not just through salvation, but a life that, that lives and trusts in God. When it doesn't feel good, when the week's been tough, when things doesn't seem like anything's changing and nothing's moving, 
We're going to look at examples, and we know the example of Abraham, how they, they waited for that promise. They stood on God's word, but through the process of time, God developed in them a, a ability to no longer consider the natural circumstances. They, become, they became unmoved. They became unshakable. They became confident in what the Lord had said. And we'll see this all throughout the Bible. You see where God came and he spoke and people offered up the challenge to that. It's like, but how, God? And then God begins to reveal to them. But ultimately, he's saying, trust me in this. Stand your ground. Take, he, he says, uh, my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns back. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. He says, we're going to be the faithful ones. This is how we live. You, you've got to set this up because if you can be shaken, if you can be talked out of it, you will be. You've got to settle with, you've got to settle that this is what I believe, the Word of God. This is where I'm going to live, the Word of God. This is what I'm going to, and you're going to fall down, but it's not how many times you fall down, it's do you keep getting up. Fall down seven, get up eight. That's a proverb. I remember, some of you may remember back uh, a few years back when um, uh, Dwayne Wade, yeah, was still playing. I was trying to think which, which player. Uh, NBA player was still playing, and, and he's a, you know, he was a point guard. He was good at, you know, but it showed in, the, in, the, in this commercial him getting knocked down, getting knocked down, getting knocked down, but he kept getting up. And it showed him going to the basket, getting hit and slammed and, you know, or knocked to the ground, and, but he kept getting up, and he kept getting up. And the, and the whole thing was that fall down seven, get up eight. You know, that's, that's where we have to be with God. Not that we want to fall down, not that we expect to fall down. I think the expectation is, hey, whatever I face, I'm strong enough. God in me is strong enough to, to, to bring me through it. You know, there's going to be times when, when the weeks get difficult. There's going to be times when, when, uh, when you, you're battling through, but you stand your ground. You develop that faith that gives you a confidence that says, you know what, I don't like where I'm at right now. I don't like this place I'm in, but I'm trusting God to bring me through. There's example after example after example of times where God, God's people were, went through some stuff, but God continued to take care of them, and ultimately they, they rose above it. Um, the, the, the verse, I'm not going to turn there, but Philippians 1, 6, they can probably pull that up on, on the screen. We'll come back to Hebrews 11, 1. But it says that I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until the final, final finish, finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns, when it is finally finished. He says, man, I am certain that God, who began, there was a certainty. He said, I, I'm not questioning it. See, there's times when, and I, as I said, if you can be talked out of it, you will be. So don't let yourself be talked out of it. In other words, what I'm challenging you with is settle the fact that, God, I'm going to trust you in it. Even the things I don't understand, even the, the times when it doesn't appear to be anything changing, I'm going to trust you. Because I, I'm going to show you an example here in a little bit where God was at work and he never, he never saw it. God was working on all in, in all things for his good, talking about Moses and, and, uh, and taking care of that situation. Back over here in Hebrews 11 now, verse 1. He says, faith 
shows the reality or is the, the confidence of what we hope for. It, it brings it to a reality. That's what I think is so, so important. These different English words, and I've talked about this the last several weeks, but the different English words that help us to explain what it means to have faith. It shows the reality or the assurance, the confidence in what we hope for. And it is the evidence, it's the conviction and the assurance of the things that we cannot see. You know, we choosing to trust God in, in faith. You know, uh, I was doing one of the radio spots that I, that I do. Um, I do some two to three minute little radio, uh, uh, what I call radio spots, I guess, during God's Country on, on KOFM on Sunday mornings. And I get to do two of these. Um, and they're a challenge to record because for somebody who for all these years has been used to preaching 30 to 40 minutes and can preach, as you know, for much longer, uh, I just wind it down. I've usually got more notes. It's, it's hard to bring something into a two-minute uh, two uh, and, and say something. It's, it's really difficult to do because I like to unpack something and then... And then or, you know, put your four steps together and, and, and then give you a challenge at the end. And it's, it's just difficult to, to do that. But I've learned, I'm learning to do that. And one of the things that I was, I was talking about was um, the, uh, just having that confidence to be able to, to trust God and to see God in, in and through it, the, whatever you're experiencing in life. That God's at work even the times we can't see it. Here in, uh, in this verse 2 in uh, Hebrews eleven two, he says through through their faith the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command or by His word. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. In other words, it came from nothing. God created it from nothing. And, and you know, there's a lot of people, science based people, that would say, "Man, that's hard to believe." And yet, you look at all the intricacies and details and how things are fit together, and it takes a lot more faith to just believe that it just happened. In my mind, there's, there's, there's no comparison to that level of faith that you've got to have to not believe in, in a creator. You may, have, you may struggle with the Bible or, or organized religion. You may struggle with some of those things, but I can guarantee you when you look at creation, when you look at the world, it, it's hard to... To think that that baby, that, that baby calf being born can hit the ground and be strong enough to get to its feet. And that mama will lick that calf off and eat that afterbirth and do the things that they'll do just naturally and then stand and that baby finds that udder. That, that's an incredible thing. And so it's an amazing thing how, how all of that, that takes place. And you, get, you in your head, you think, wow, that's, that's wild. Or why would that happen? Or this or that. But yet they, there's reasons why all that takes place. Some of you are all really grossed out by the fact that I talked about her eating the afterbirth. And I understand that. But there's a purpose for that. My dad used to say, he said, that's so that keeps the coyotes back. Because that's what the coyotes are chasing more than anything is after that. But it also has a super high concentration of the nourishment that that, that mama cow needs in order to, to feed that baby. And so it's, there's, there's a dual purpose there. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. And, and what's amazing, a, a heifer that's never seen this done, never, you know, they just naturally, it, they'll just, it, it'll just all happen. Sometimes we have to help them. That's why God made a farmer, right, and got a rancher like Paul Harvey said, 
All right, so let's, uh, let's look here at, uh, let's go over to Exodus chapter 3. And I want to, I want to have fun going through the life of uh, Moses. And I'm going to probably leave some things out. This is a, a fairly long story. There's a lot of teaching here. We'll, we'll try to get through it here in, in a timely manner. Uh, but I've really wanted to take and do as a study some of the characters in the Bible. To uh, it's just it's just fun to see how God deals with them, grows them, and how they compare. Man, can't find it. Here we go. In Exodus chapter uh, three. Now remember the story of Moses. Just the the little bit of uh, reminder. He was the baby that that uh, when they were in Egypt under the rulership or under. Uh, held as slaves, the, the children of Israel, that is. Um, the Pharaoh's worried about them getting too many numbers, so they decided they weren't going to let them have any more children, especially male children, and so, or only one. They, they set these regulations, and they, so it's time to, uh, this child, Moses, should have been killed, but his mother uh, protected him and hid him and then, then had a plan. And it just is, isn't, this, isn't little Moses, isn't little baby Moses lucky? No, God had a plan. And he fit this baby, and, and she devised this plan, just came up with this. And she floats the baby out there where Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, is, is bathing in the, in the river, and, and uh, she finds this baby, and it and just so happens that, that he, instead of killing it, drowning it, taking it to Pharaoh to, ha- to be ki- instead of any of that, she decides. She just, it just happened to be the daughter that couldn't have any kids. So now she's got a kid. And it just so happened that she let Moses' mother nurse the baby until, until it was uh, ready to be weaned and then went and lived with, with, uh, with the Pharaoh, or Pharaoh's daughter. So he was raised in the palace, raised with the king's heritage. He was raised and developed and, and, and until he was an adult. He gained all the knowledge of the Pharaoh and how things worked in, in, the, in the king's realm. That's, a, that's an important part to this story. And, and what we got to understand is God was at work in Moses' life long before Moses really knew God. Now, I'm sure his mother had introduced him to some of the things but he didn't remember that or didn't realize that until much later. He began, he, as he realized who he was, he began to have a problem with it. Now, we know that he ended up uh, killing an Egyptian uh, soldier who beat uh, an Israeli uh, slave. And so he stepped in, killed him, thought he got away with it. He looked around, you know, he thought everybody, he got away with it. And then later, one of the Israel, Israelites uh, c- c- uh, challenged him on it and said, "Hey, uh, are you going to? Because they were fighting and he breaking them up. And he says, "Are you going to kill us? Are you going to kill me like you did the like the the Egyptian?" Now, to me, uh, I, I would have probably been careful to not to say anything like that. Uh, but anyway, I, I, he did, and and so now Moses gets gets uh, afraid and scared. But here here again, it's all part of God's plan because God needed to do something else in in Moses. I believe he took Moses from a place of, of being elevated, have, being an heir to the throne, be, and a place of, of being high and mighty to a place of being low and humble. And he had to run and flee, and he went out into the wilderness, and he ended up uh, being a shepherd, and he ended up meeting his wife, 
He ended up working for his father-in-law. He ended up just herding sheep. But God got him away from the, the, the place into another place in order to teach him. What I've learned in my life is, is God takes us through seasons and experiences. And sometimes they're God's plan. Sometimes they're out of our ignorance and our unwillingness to be obedient to God or to yield to God. But either way, God is with us and he still has that plan. And he'll still be at work in our lives. You know, this, this plan was pretty amazing. And, and it says, we'll, we'll pick up the story in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro the priest of Midian, and he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinar, or some translations say Horeb. It's the uh, same, same mountain, but the mountain of God, the mountain of God, verse 2. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This was amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go and see. In the King James it says, he turned. He says, I will turn aside and see. Now I love the, the illustration of that because what Moses is doing, he's going about his business. He's taking care of what is his responsibility. But God shows up in his life. He really, it doesn't indicate that he had uh, any, any uh, relationship with God up to that point. He may have, he may not have doesn't talk about it, but he's introduced to God in a way that he's never been introduced to God before. And all of a sudden, here he, he sees this thing. Now, here's the thing. God will, will put things in our life to get our attention. God gives us a, a, an opportunity. I remember seeing different things, God doing different things in people's lives, and, and, and it being interesting. It, it kept me or drew my attention. But here is... Here is Moses, and it, and it says he's just going about his business, and he, he turned aside, or I must go see this. And verse 4 says, when the Lord saw, notice this, Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Now we've got to pause right there because here's the thing. God was drawing him all the time. The Holy Spirit's always drawing us before we're saved. But when we turn aside, and, and, and if we're willing to turn aside, God met him right there, and God had a, had, a, had a word for him. I know people talk about driving by here. I drive by, I drive by that sign, drive by. I talk about coming. I'm at, I, I want to come. And then finally they show up, and, and God speaks, I believe, into their heart, into their life. But notice, notice, uh, He's, he, he called to him after he turned. Verse, verse 5, or Moses responded, here I am. Verse 5 says, Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid of the Lord God. Then he told him, so he had some understanding of of his, his heritage. He had some understanding of God. How he gained that, we, we don't really know. I don't think it really ever tells. I've, I've never uh, seen that. Possibly from his uh, wife, uh, I mean, possibly from his wife, possibly from his mother back in, in Egypt. Possibly before he fled, he, he started inquiring. 
He recognized maybe even as a even as an Egyptian, being raised as an Egyptian, he began to he watched what they did, some of the things that they talked about. I'd say that that's where it came from. But he obviously knew, and I'm I'm also just pretty sure that uh, he knew that there was something here that he better bow to. Verse seven says, "Then the Lord told him, I have." Certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Now, verse 8 is very important. Look, look at this. He says, So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their fertile and spacious land. It is a land that flows with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Now, the reason I, I note that verse 8 is because he said, I have come down, and I'm going to rescue them. But then he turns around and he says, now Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Now, Moses' kind of response, and you'll see in here in a little bit, is kind of like, well, hey, God, I'm good. You, you go. You know, you, you said you were going to do it. Now, here's something that I think is, is really cool, though, is that pictures the fact that God in his sovereignty has the ability to do anything, but he chooses in that sovereignty to use us. He uses a man. He uses a woman. He uses people. He doesn't want to do things separate from us. He wants us involved. That's why he has a plan for our lives. And that's why it's so important that we pursue God, learn, learn to be obedient to God, and use whatever skills, giftings, talents, whatever, whatever God puts in our hands to help further the kingdom of God. We're not all called to preach. We're not all called to do the same things. Not everybody's a musician. Not everybody has got a gift, the gifting of singing, but there's, there's different things that we can all do as a part. You know, sometimes it's using your giftings and talents to mark the parking lot or, you know, show up and, and make sure to go get the kids down just to help in the service, run the sound, do all these different things that people do. But God was, God had a plan, and that's one of the things that I, I want to, I want us to see. But Moses, in this time, was learning who God was. He began to protest. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of God out of Israel? And God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that, that I am the one who has sent you. When, you. when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Now, that's pretty, um, I, I, I began to think about this, and God already promised him that he's going to take care of it. He sends him, but he says, I'm not sending you alone. And, and that's why I say, God never asks us to do anything without empowering us to get it done. He never asks us to do anything we can't do. He never asks anything without, also without helping us to do it. We may feel inadequate. And that's one of the things that's, that's so wonderful about the story of Moses. He was... At this point, the least of the least. He wasn't qualified. He, wasn't, he no longer had a, a place at Pharaoh's. Now, now the Pharaoh that was going to kill him for killing the Egyptian soldier is now dead. 
They've probably forgotten. They might have forgiven. He might be able to come back. But all the people, it says later on, that God told him, all the people that were trying to kill you are dead. You're okay. But notice what he, he did for, for, uh, for Moses when he objected, when he prote- protested. He said, who am I? He said, I'm with you. See, every time we think we're not enough, or we think we can't, or whatever, we say, who am I? Now, that's a good place to be, by the way. Who am I, God, without you? That's humility. That's wisdom. We should never think, boy, I spit a lot right there. Glad, glad you all got two or three rows. <laughs> but but it's, it's always good to be humble. It's always good to think less of yourself than you ought. I always just tell people, don't think less of your less of yourself than you should either. Don't think more of yourself than you ought, but don't think less of yourself than you ought. Realize that it is through God and because of Him, we are, some, we are able to stand in the place that God says for us to stand or go and do the thing that God calls us to do. But I can tell you this, that God, God was doing something with him right here in, in, in and through this whole process. He says, who am I to stand before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead this people? And God said, I'm going to be with you. This is your sign. Now notice this too. This is your sign. He paints a picture with his words right here. And he says, you're going to, when you, not if you, when you lead them out, two things. You're going to do it, Moses. The other thing is you can do it, Moses. You're going to win. You're going to overcome. I think that's a small hidden thing in this that we might miss. I've read this many times. And never, and never seen that in that statement, but what, what God was doing for him was he says, here's your sign, and I'm thinking, the sign, I, I got a lot to, to, that needs to happen before this sign. I, you're showing me a sign after? Now, now realize, knowing the story, he didn't, but we do. He had to go, and they had to do like a whole bunch of plagues, and then he had to lead them out of Egypt. He had to try to, well, first of all, he had to try to convince these these. Jews, the, the, the Israel, Israeli people, that he was from God and that God was really going to deliver him. Then he had to convince Pharaoh to let him go. And then he had to get him out there. And then they, they're standing there at the Red Sea and they're, they're about to get recaptured. And God opens up the Red Sea and all this stuff. And then he gets to the sign. It's like, he, by that time, he, he didn't need the proof of that sign. But he needed the image of it beforehand. That God was, you're going to do it. I love that. See, because there's times when we look at the task ahead of us or we look at the promise of God that God's made available and we think, how can I? We're like Moses, a lot of things. How can I? And yet, we should stand on God's word when we go before him. And he says, we can say, who am I? And he says, I'm with you. But when he said that, this is the sign that'll be when you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt. At this point, Moses really doesn't even know all he's going to have to go through in order to make this happen. And isn't that a good thing? He protests and, and, and tries every way he can to get out of it. Kind of like me and God when I, when I was called into ministry. I was making all kinds of deals with God. I, I tell you, okay, God, I, I got this. I, I tell you, here, here's how, here's how this will work. Here's what I'll do. And finally, I just had to be willing to say, okay, God, I can do this. 
I will be with you, and this is the sign that I am with you, that I sent you. That when you have brought the people out, you'll worship God at this very mountain. Then Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me, then they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? See, here's the thing. Moses didn't have the depth of understanding of who God really was like they did, but he's needing a name. Because see, the Egyptian God, the, the Egyptians, they had hundreds of gods. They worshipped the river and the animals. They worshipped all kinds. They had, they had names, the sun and the moon and stars. And they, they named all kinds of gods. The Jews understood that, that him coming from... Uh, uh, Egyptian background, and, and, and there was all this. So he says, who are you? And he, he replies, I am, verse 14, God, I am who I am. That's, that's Yahweh. And, and it, it, it could mean, or I will be what I will be. But to them, they understood that it was Yahweh or Jehovah. And, and, and a lot of times it's just written out as the Lord and we talked about that when I was teaching on the names of God. But he says, how, how will I know? And God also said to Moses, verse 15, say, say this to the people, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go to the elder, elders of Israel. So he begins to give him instruction, and he tells him, and the power of that name meant a lot. But he still didn't really know God. And that's what I want us to realize when we're walking by faith and trying to, trying to walk by faith. Is we're trying to get to a place where, where we, we, we really know God. We can recognize him speaking. You know, I could call most of you on the phone and I wouldn't have to introduce myself. You've heard my voice enough. You can, you can hear who it is. I just begin to talk to some of you that I talk to on a regular basis. I can, you, we can hear that voice. We're, we recognize it. We, it. we hear it. Now, verse nine, uh, let's, let's go to verse 19. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise up my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go. And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. Then or they will give you gifts when you go so that you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign uh, women in their houses. And you will dress your sons and your daughters with these, uh, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. So God had a plan. Now, he, he was taking care of them, but it's amazing how this all came together. Now, I, I want us to look at uh, chapter uh, 4 and verse 1, and we see Moses again protesting. Well, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, well, the Lord never appeared to you? You know, how many times do we use excuses just like this. God says to do something. God says to go share your faith. God says to go talk to that person. We say, well, what if they don't believe me? What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? You ever had that thought? 
I, I hear that all the time. Talk, people talking about wanting to, I'm, I'm afraid to share my faith. They might ask me something I don't know. What, I have people ask me stuff I don't know all the time. You know what I say? Well, you know, I don't know, but I'll find out. I don't have to be the answer man. I don't always know. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I can give an answer. Sometimes it takes just a minute to think about that. I had somebody ask me a question after uh, the meeting, maybe in charity, asked me something after uh, last week or maybe the week before, and uh, I had to say, huh, you know, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. I'll have to think about that. And then as, as we were talking for a little bit, then, then an answer came. Sometimes we know, sometimes we don't. But here's the thing. Simply, what do we know? Jesus died for my sins. If we can know that much, we can share our faith. He forgave us based on Jesus' righteousness, not my own. It doesn't take us too, it, it doesn't take too much to learn those basic truths. Verse 2 says, Then the Lord answered uh, or asked him, What is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses said. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord, and the Lord told him. So Moses threw it down, threw down the sta staff, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. <laughs> he just shows he's just a man. He jumped back, but I know some of y'all wouldn't have jumped back. You'd have run. I had one guy I worked with. Man, he hated snakes. He was so scared of snakes. I mean, it was it was painful. He was so scared of snakes. I, 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 snakes don't bother me really. I grew up down, you know, we played with snakes all the time, caught, caught, caught them and, and messed with them and, and stuff. Snakes don't really bother me. But if I see, if I don't, if I don't see them until I, you know, it just, he gets surprised, sure, I'm going to jump. But, but notice what God asked him to do after that. He says, now grab its tail. Again, some of y'all would have said, oh, God, I ain't going to do that. Not grabbing the snake, God. You know, why does God do stuff like that? He's giving us an experience in who he is to trust him. He's asking us to do something that's going to stretch us a little bit. He, he, we're going to do something we're not, not always comfortable with. We're going to serve in, in church when we're not quite perfect. Or we're going to talk to a friend or somebody about, about what God's doing in their life. You're going you're gonna to do something that stretches you a little bit. He just keeps on going. Then he tells him to put his hand in his cloak and it pulls it out and it turns, it's got leprous and then he puts it back in and God heals it. And he, he, he does these different miracles to show them that God is with him. But ver, verse 10 says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. He just keeps on. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never, I never have been. And I'm, and I'm not now. And even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Using every excuse he can. He's pulling out. The, I mean, he's already tried. Hadn't been able to talk God out of it now. And yet, and now he's saying, God, I can't speak in front of people. That's what Jason said. That's what Jared said. That's what Cody said. Cody, in fact, whenever I first needed somebody, wanted somebody to do the offering, and he was like, I asked him, he said, nope, I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. I'm not up front. Nope, nope. It took him about two days. He texted me. He goes, okay, I'm in. I told him he had to step up. Well, you know, here's the thing. We're not all called to be up front. But we ought to be willing to share, and, and share our faith. Verse 11. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether they can speak or not speak, hear or not hear, see or not see? The Lord said, I do. 
Verse 12, now go. Kind of like we do with our kids. Give me all the gripes, all the complaints, all the excuses, now go. I love that. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Moses pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. Boy, I, I tell you what, I can, I can feel God's, God's I, I can, I, I can I, we get angry sometimes at people. But no, notice what God does. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you now. And he'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him. And put the words in his mouth, and I will be with you both as you speak. And I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him. Take him, take him or tell him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you. Use it to perform the miracles I've shown you. You know, it's interesting. Uh, God already had all that set up. You know, God wasn't surprised that Moses was still backtracking. He used all this to show him that, look, you're not getting out of it, but I'll give you a way through it. I'll give you a way that you'll succeed. Moses could have said, oh, you just, just send Aaron. God didn't let him out of it. And, and he said, you're still going to be my connection and Aaron's just going to say, he's going to be your mouthpiece. But I, th I think that's a good picture of how God wants us to support one another, too. It's a good way that where two, I taught that on one of my last week's uh, morning Bible studies, where God sent them out two by two. He sent them out together to support one another, to encourage one another. Jesus did back in, with his disciples. It's pretty awesome. But see, Moses is just getting to know God right here. He's beginning to understand all that, uh, that, that he's going to experience. And, and, you know, we read last week over in Exodus 33, right there at the end, after Moses has done a lot of this, he knows God well, he meets God on a regular basis, he still comes back around and remember in Exodus 33, so 30 chapters later, Moses is still pursuing God and saying, God, show me your glory. Show me more. Reveal to me more. That's the awesome thing about God is, is we're never going to get to the end of knowing who He is and learning who He is. Well, I want us to, we're going to, we're going to wrap this up for today, but um, I do want us to look at, at, at chapter 5. We won't go through it all, but I want, to, I want to close with this. Verse 5. No. Ah, we better just quit. I can't, I can't unpack that. I'm learning how to do things in smaller bites, but I can't do that. There's, no, there's too many verses to try to sort through. It, it won't come out right. So just begin to know God. Begin to think about, uh, begin to, or I mean, continue to try to know God more. Continue to, to seek Him. You know, the wonderful thing about the example that Moses was is he was willing and obedient. He wasn't perfect. And the one thing was is that God didn't look at his inadequacies and say, 
I guess I can't use you. You don't have enough education. You don't have enough talent. You don't have enough this or that. No, God can use us. And so I just, uh, I'm just very thankful that, that he will, will do that for us. So let's, let's just stand and let's pray. Father, we just come before you and we just thank you and we praise you for all that, you're, all that you've done, all that you're doing. We just thank you, Lord God, for the, for the work in our hearts that, that we can look at examples like Moses. And he seems to be a great figure. He's, he's one of the, the examples of, of greatness in the Bible, but yet he began with arguing with God about his abilities when God called him. Lord, we're not all called to do the same thing, but we're all given a plan by you, a plan for our lives. And within that is, is things that we, we can't do easily on our own sometimes because you want to show up big in our lives. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that all, all we have to be is willing to say, okay, God, I'll be obedient to you. I'll, 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 I'll follow you when you say go. And if we'll, go, if we'll begin to do that, We'll, we can watch, then we can watch God do amazing things in and through our lives. So, Lord, help us to be those people that will be willing to do that. We thank you for this word today in Jesus' name. Amen.